Would you like to guess how many strings of lights they had left at Target to buy? Zero. Zero is correct. Congratulations. <laughs> Did you just need like one more string to complete the, so, the vision? There was one, there's one strand of garland we had where the lights went out. And so Super Husband spent like an evening this week just like having to cut the old strand out because it was just like completely dead. It wasn't going to work. Uh-huh. And moms. Hey, if you're in the DMV area, Mom's Organic recycles Christmas lights. So that's great. That's so great. But, uh, yeah, so, so I had to go to get various sundry items. And Super Husband was like, yeah, why don't you just, like, we just need one more long light to go on there. I was like, okay, great. I probably circled the Christmas aisle four times thinking, because I'd only had one cup of coffee. It's pretty early at that point. Thinking, surely I just missed it. Or maybe like usually when when I'm like when I can't find something or I see like the price tag and then it's just an empty row I'm like well maybe they moved it to like a display area <laughs> right yeah 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 true yeah I also saw this is intriguing though I didn't buy one I may have to go back and buy one okay so Reese's peanut butter cups delicious yeah yes holiday peanut butter cups more delicious than a regular peanut butter cup like the ones that are shaped like a tree or an egg oh, yeah, yeah. or uh, whatever because one mm-hmm. because they're not in cup so you don't lose a whole bunch of stuff correct taking off the wrapper correct and two i prefer that chocolate to peanut butter ratio yes well and they and they are really good cold yes okay so they are selling this year a reese's holiday it's like a snowman I think. Okay. It's not... Okay, so Reese's peanut butter cup size. Right. Which is what? Not a quarter. Like a half... Like a silver... I don't know. (laughs) How old can I sound on this podcast? A silver dollar! Yeah, like like an inch and a half. Yeah. Okay, and then the holiday ones are usually like two inches. Bigger. Yeah. Right? A little more chunk. Yeah. Right. The snowman must have been a good six inches. That's what she said. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael, 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 please. It was huge, and it was one piece. So I'm, I'm just intrigued. At first, I was disgusted, and then I, now I'm intrigued. Like it's progressed. I'm kombucha lady. Like I, I was like, no, and then I was like, mm. no. I have a feeling it's going to be like a several attempts to finish it. Or must be spread over multiple people because I think I love me like a Reese's tree. Mm, Reese's tree. But one to two of those. At least. So like it was at least three. But it was also it was it was was it girthy? It was thick with two C's. (laughs) It was it was like Yeah. are the days of our lives also if you hear a rustling in the background um because it's that time of year there's a lot of packages coming to the house and a lot of yeah. people are starting to use just plain brown paper instead of like packing peanuts which thank you sustainable also the rabbit loves them so pa moxie is just having the time of her life and we're having the time of our life yeah. because i'm katie i'm mm <laughs> This is the Wine Times Mysteries mm. podcast where we bond over wine, 
candy Mysteries, canes. Candy canes, cool. holiday shit. Cool whip. Cool, cool whip. whip. We're your elderly millennial aunts giving you life wisdom, complaining about our knees. So uh, there's no good way to pivot to talk about this. Is this episode 55? So, I am going to be talking about a case. It's actually like a more relatively recent modern case from 2015. Okay. Wow. In the media, it is sometimes referred to as the Gone Girl case, but I don't like that title because it implies something isn't true about it. So right. instead, um, I am going to call this victim F because the victims in this case actually recently wrote a book this year. So it came back up in conversation oh. over the summer. And the book is called, excuse me while I scroll to the whole name, Victim F from Crime Victims to Suspects to Survivors. Wow. I have not read the book. I really, really want to. Um yeah, so there's that. So okay. let's get started. But we're actually going to start a little bit earlier than 2015. We're going to start uh, covering some incidents that happened as early as 2009 okay. that remained unsolved for a while. So in September of 2009, an intruder broke into the apartment of a 27-year-old woman in Mountain View, California. Okay. The woman is handcuffed and bound. And the intruder claims that he's there to commit identity theft. So he asks her for her date of birth, her mother's maiden name, social security number, all sorts of questions about her computer and her DSL line. And he puts goggles over the woman's eyes as a blindfold and sedates her with an overdose of NyQuil. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's September. In October of 2009... There's a nearly identical home invasion in Palo Alto in the apartment of a 32-year-old woman. And in both cases, the intruder threatens to rape the victims, but he doesn't. Thank goodness. Still horrible, but thank goodness. terrifying. The detectives start investigating these cases, and they're also looking at police reports of prowlers in the area, and they discover... That four days before the attack in September, there was an attorney whose name was Matthew Muller, who had been stopped in Palo Alto in the middle of the night after a resident reported a suspicious man that they saw to the police. However, he's a respected immigration attorney, and he told police that he was a visiting scholar there from Harvard, teaching at Stanford. I don't know why that suddenly makes you not suspicious, but like, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm classy. I'm from Harvard. There's no way that anyone from Harvard commits crimes. I'm a gentleman and a scholar. So the detectives were like, <laughs> okay. Many leather-bound books. <laughs> Many leather-bound books. Exactly. The detectives also discovered that the victim in Palo Alto had a connection to this attorney. She had attended a policy panel that he had organized at Harvard the year before. But that could have just been... An interesting coincidence among these scholarly types that are in Stanford. So, oh, okay. well, well, well. He initially agreed to be interviewed by the police, but then he 
lawyered up. Quote of course he did. Two months later, he left his wife a note on a USB drive. Again, don't be suspicious. That said he's going to go off the grid with no phone, no email, no credit cards. Don't try to track me down because it'll only draw attention. He says, why? He says, I have a lot of problems and these problems go beyond my mental health. Uh, this is a quote. I live in terror most of the time and can't keep up appearances any longer. And this is perhaps the least extreme thing I can do to resolve it that does not also expose everybody to criminal liability. I have a lot of problems, meaning I've committed several crimes. He doesn't say that. Just he's got a lot of problems. <laughs> um, my, my, my problems are I'm on the lam. Hold on to your butt because his off-the-grid life lasts for exactly two days before he calls his wife to come pick him up in Utah. Mom, mom. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I've never fully run away as a child. That was never my bag. Um, but I do remember like riding my bike off in a huff and my uh, neighbor friend Ginny and I, um, she lived in a really quite extensive like townhouse community mm-hmm. and it was huge i mean and like and nothing was grid Mm -hmm. at all it was Mm -hmm. all windy roads at least that's at least that's how i remember it being a young child with no sense of direction and we'd always ride our bikes all over the place and there was a parking lot area that had kind of like a circle type thing in the middle that was just trees to be pretty Mm -hmm. um and the trees were huge and like there's bushes around the bottom and everything was very very overgrown and if you fought your way through in the middle there was like just this little clearing but literally you know go five feet in any direction you're in a road Mm -hmm. you're in Mm -hmm. the parking lot road um but it was very like kind of like a little like glade and so a lot of time when we'd ride our bikes, we'd like bring sandwiches and then like Heck have yeah. a picnic so in this cute. parking lot area. Aww, wholesome, Katie. And it felt um, remote enough that like sometimes I'd be like, I'm going to run away. <laughs> and I would just like pack a sandwich and I'd go and I'd hang out in that little area until I got cold. And then I'd just come home. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of what this is reminding me <laughs> of. I'm going off the grid. I'm going to live off the land. I'm going to do this. I'm no gonna do this. Phone. I'm going to do this. No Fuck email. all of you. Pew, 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 pew. Uh-huh. And then two days later, I'm cold. I'm going to go home. I'm, I'm cold. <laughs> I'm in Utah. <laughs> come that was me. a big, that's a big mic drop too. So like he put, so wait. <laughs> so was it like a note? And then also accompanying a USB drive, or was the no, note the note a was... file on the USB? Yes, yes the letter. That's real stupid. Just put it right? on a fucking right. post-it. Okay. <laughs> but also, also, that's such a big mic drop. I've got so many problems. I'm da 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 Beyond blah, my blah, mental blah. health, which indicates he's got two major problems, mental health and then whatever the hell else it is. Crimes. Crimes. And... We can only assume crimes. And... I can't expose you. Da, da, da. And then two days later, I'm going to expose you because I hey, am tired I'm t- and I'm I miss. cold and hungry. Can you come get me? So then we fast Harvard forward. didn't prepare me no, for this. They did, not. they did not have a, a class and going off the grid. Okay. So oh a few God. years okay. later. Sorry. We're going to fast forward to November of 2012. Where in... So there was, there was nothing. There no. was no, no. follow up. Okay. Okay. November of 2012 in back okay. in Palo Alto. Uh, another... Mass intruder 
breaks into another young woman's home, and attempts to rape her. He does not. Thank goodness. Right? There's a struggle. And then the intruder runs off, and he leaves behind a set of what are known as bump keys. I don't know if I can sound any whiter when I say that, but this is a key that is cut in such a way that if you know what you're doing, it can be used to open a lot of common residential locks. Gotcha. So it's so kind of like a kind of like jimmying something like yes. it's in such a way that it could perhaps bump the tumblers yes. up. Yes. Got you. Okay. So now now that we're recovering from our blinding whiteness. Um, <laughs> okay. So now we're going to move on to the actual victim F case. So just keep okay. all of these events to the side. These events happen. Got it. This is a story of Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn, and they're both physical therapists, and they met in 2014 in Vallejo, California, which is another area in the, the Bay. Okay. When they met, Aaron had just ended a relationship with a fiancé, who's now ex-fiancé, because there had been cheating. She had cheated on him. Aaron and Denise were attracted to each other, but Aaron was obviously still dealing with the fallout from his prior relationship, so they weren't moving super fast or anything, but there was an obvious connection there. And then in February of 2015, Denise found out that Aaron was still texting with his ex-fiance about the possibility of getting back together. That is a red flag. Now, Denise, being the amazing woman that she is, told him that she didn't deserve to be treated that way. And they had a difficult few weeks talking about their relationship. What are they doing? Are they going to stay together? Are they breaking up? So on March 22nd, 2015, they made a plan to meet at Aaron's house to talk about the future of their relationship like two goddamn adults. I love it. Love it. Denise brought pizza. Yes. And Love it. they stayed up all night on the couch talking and eating pizza and talking about how they could move forward in their relationship, which all sounds very healthy and wholesome. Very much, very, very mature. mature. They go to bed around midnight. So I can just imagine those. I feel like everyone has had those long relationship talks and they are exhausting. So I'm glad she brought the pizza. So March 23rd, 2015. So at 3 a.m., that night slash next morning, mm-hmm. Denise and Aaron woke up to a man who had broken into Aaron's house. And the man says, wake up. This is a robbery. We are not here to hurt you. We are not here to hurt we. you. There were white flashing lights and red laser dots crisscrossing all over the wall. And the intruder tells Denise to tie Aaron's feet together with zip ties and then tie his hands behind his back. And then to get up and walk to the bedroom closet. So once she got to the bedroom closet, a man tied her up and then brought Aaron into the closet with her. Both their eyes got covered up with swim goggles that were covered in duct tape, which is absolutely terrifying. And they had headphones put on them. Okay. And the headphones played pre-recorded messages. They were going to give them a sedative which we found out later was a quarter of a bottle of diazepam and NyQuil. So good night. Yikes. Yeah. And if they didn't drink it, it was going to be given to them intravenously, which I don't think that's how NyQuil is indicated. But also I feel like that's just death. That right. Yeah. Just 
I, I would just drink it. And the pre-recorded message referred to Aaron by his name. So this was obviously well, premeditated. Yeah, well yeah, calculated. Yeah. The intruder starts asking Aaron some questions. And at one point he says, we have a problem. Do Denise and your ex-fiance look alike? And Aaron says, well, they both have long blonde hair. And the intruder says, we got the wrong intel. So one thing to note is that Aaron had lived with his ex-fiance in that house before their breakup. And she'd only recently come back to take the rest of her stuff out of the house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So instead of the intruder just yeeting the hell out of there when they realized they had made a mistake, he says, okay, we have to revise our plan here a little bit. So we're going to take Denise for 48 hours while you have to complete some tasks for us. Yeah. This is a big pivot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Aaron was moved downstairs to a couch, and he's told there's a camera on the wall that's watching him. And he couldn't leave a perimeter around the couch that was they marked off with tape. They were like, you cannot leave this print. And I'm guessing that's like the range of the camera. It was like in the perimeter where the right, tape was around the couch. Right, right, right. So then Aaron uh, has his hands duct taped behind his back, and he's asked if he's comfortable. <laughs> Frankly, um, no, sir. Uh, this could be loser or not present at all. He frankly. says, uh, I'm kind of cold, and it'd be great if I could have a blanket. And the intruder says, oh, oh I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was cold because we're wearing, uh, we're wearing wetsuits. What a weird detail to provide. They told Aaron they're going to communicate him with him via text and email. And they created an email address to communicate with him. And he was told... Cri- cri- crimes, crimes. Crimes at gmail.com. Crimes. <laughs> well, lots of crimes. Big crimes <laughs> at gmail. And he was told, you need to call out sick at work. And you need to text Denise's boss and say that she had a family emergency and she's going to be gone for a week. Okay? Then later, you're going to have to withdraw some money from your bank. Uh, and there's going to be a camera monitoring you. And if you go to the police, we're going to kill Denise. So the intruder then picks up Denise, puts her in the trunk of Aaron's car, and drives away with her. And at this point, the drugs have taken their effect because he had a quarter of a bottle of diazepam and NyQuil. And he passes out around 5 a.m. on the couch. Yikes. When he wakes up, he is only able to call out sick at work for himself and then text Denise's boss. And then he passes out again until 1130 a.m. There were texts and emails when he woke up demanding two payments of $8,500. Okay. And he responded, but he started to panic because he wasn't hearing back from his responses. He believed that all the cameras there were watching him, so he didn't want to call 911. So instead, he called his brother, who happened to be an FBI agent. Coincidence! Guess what his brother does? Nothing? Tells him to call 911. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, bro, I can't. Can you call 911 for me? If this were, if this was me and my brother, thanks, Bart. I could have done that myself. God. <laughs> You do the whole something? point was because I'm being monitored, bro. 
Um, this next section about the, the next few details, I've labeled Aaron, don't be suspicious. 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 Police, he calls 911, like his brother so helpfully tells him to do. The police officers go to Aaron's house, and their first question when they get there is, are you on drugs? And he says, why, yes. I am, because I was drugged. <laughs> so then the police go to the house, and the first thing they do is unplug the camera in the living room. Why? Oh. And they ask Aaron about what he did before he called 911. And suddenly, literally everything in his house and every action he's taken that morning become suspicious. Oh, right. Because the from the police perspective, they're like, why are there a bunch of beer bottles by the back door if you haven't been drinking? And he was like, well, I was just taking out the I was going to take out the recycling tomorrow. Uh, where's your car? He just stole it. Like, it's not here. Like, yeah, he, he the intruder took it. Why did you wait such a long time to dial 911? Because they told me not to. They were mm -hmm. going to kill Denise. Jesus Christ. Uh, they noticed there was a really small blood stain on his sheets. And they were like, um, everything that we're seeing here, like the way he's behaving, the fact that his car is missing, he waited so long to dial 911. This is everything that the police are saying they would expect to see in a domestic violence murder. So, Oh, like he, like he, like left her body in the car and then like sank the car mm -hmm, somewhere mm -hmm. okay. and then waited a long time to call 911 so they're like hey buddy can you um can you want to take a ride with us to the police station just to give a statement he's like okay so <laughs> goes to because he's probably still feeling that NyQuil hangover and he's traumatized so they get to the police station and they take a DNA sample and they take his clothes, and in exchange, they give him prison clothes to wear. So, like, no, no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Um, he tells police everything that happened that night, and the police start to ask him a lot of questions about his relationship with Denise and whether there was any infidelity or fighting between them. So, 45 minutes into the interview with the police, they tell Aaron they think he's lying. <laughs> And they think that the blood stain meant that there was a fight. And Aaron is obviously beyond at this point because he was like, I have been drugged. I have been tied. My girlfriend has been kidnapped. The police are telling me they think I'm lying. And he's like, everything I'm telling you is true. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, this is absolutely true. There was a camera that you <laughs> unplugged. Uh... So Aaron's parents... Look at these texts right? uh, asking for money. Uh. So Aaron's parents and his brother get to the police station and the police start questioning them too. Like, does he ever get... Does he get angry? The useless brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The FBI brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The useless one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The useless one. So I'm mad at this brother. Uh, me too. So they're like, does he ever get angry? Does he do drugs? Do you think maybe they fought and he like pushed her too hard? Or maybe they were... Were they like... No! They're like, asking his parents, do you think maybe he was into some weird sex shit and, like, something went wrong? <laughs> oh like, what? What do you think his parents are going to say? 
Absolutely. Like, come on. Always has been. So then the FBI, I don't know if this was, it couldn't have been the brother, but the FBI gave Aaron a polygraph, which he was totally happy to take because he was, he was innocent. And at no point, I'm, I know that like typically people are, um, you know, when, when they are the victim and they are just, they, all they want is help. They don't think about this, but at no point a lawyer gets involved, right? Um, a little later, not before he takes the polygraph. So he goes ahead and Damn. he goes ahead and takes it. And of course, since he has been insanely traumatized over the past twenty four hours, it showed up that he was being deceitful. So to the police, this is proof that he's lying, and to his mm-hmm. parents, his brother, is proof that he has been crazy traumatized. Right. So they interrogate him for 18 hours straight oh my god and aaron said later that he was starting to doubt his own sanity and thought that Uh he was having some sort of a schizophrenic breakdown because he was like you just people break right people break and at this point is he not wildly worried that he hasn't delivered this money and denise is gonna die like because they yes he's out of you know and and isn't he just like can we address this? And then I will answer all your questions. All the but things. can we get Denise back right, first? Right. Please? Can you, because like, I get that they think he's lying. I get it. But like, and you and I have talked about this on previous episodes. Shouldn't they just do the fucking legwork? Yeah. And like, yes. cause like with a little bit of legwork, they could maybe prove like if they find his car, if they trace the money, mm-hmm. if you know, X, Y, Z, like, could they be like, okay okay sure kidnapped okay murder and then like they do the legwork they're like oh we're sorry right right, right. (laughs) you were right all along well at this point his his brother does turn into a bit of a down bitch and has gotten him an attorney so the attorney takes him back to his office after the police investigation um but by this point it is march 24th and the san francisco chronicle received a proof of life message from denise So it was a recorded message sent by the intruder in which she talked about recent news events. So they knew that it hadn't been pre-recorded days or weeks before. So the police at that point brought Aaron back to the police station and asked... Sorry! No, they did not say sorry, but they did ask him to send a message back to the kidnapper. So they had his phone from when he had come in and they had taken his clothes and his DNA sample. Right. So they hand the phone back to him, and that was when Aaron's legal team saw that they had put the phone in airplane mode. So (laughs) she's left. She has left the recording studio, everyone. She's gone. She is gone. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So guess what? These fucking people! I know. So then they they turn it off of airplane mode. I'm back. And all of a sudden, there's like this flood of messages that come through the phone. Because that was the only way the kidnappers were communicating with him. Um, and not only had a ton like, of messages hey bro, come through. Hey, bro. We're going to yeah. kill her, bro. Hey, bro. And they had tried calling his phone. Not once. Not twice. But thrice. Thrice. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Dude, we really don't want to kill her. Dude, where'd you go? Um, dude. We'd like dude. Our, we'd like our money now, please. Thanks. Okay, so that's March 24th. The police are still not 100% on board, by the way, with this whole kidnapper thing, even after the proof of life message. Like, they're still tray suspicious. I'm so angry! I know. So, now it is March 25th. 
and Denise is found alive. In Huntington Beach, California, 400 miles away from where she was kidnapped in Vallejo, California, she was dropped off on the street where she grew up, near her mother's house. Okay. Her mom wasn't home. By the way, before I get too much into the details of this, this is precisely if I were ever kidnapped and dropped off. This is precisely what would happen to me. <laughs> she goes She goes to her mom's home. Her mom's not there. So she borrows a stranger's cell phone and calls her dad. Her dad doesn't pick up. So she leaves him a voicemail and starts walking to her dad's house. Um... Like, this is me. Like, nobody answers her damn phone. Nobody would be home. I mean, to be fair to the dad, it's it's a random number that I don't know. Probably won't pick up. (laughs) Also that no one's home. What actually happened was both of her parents were in Vallejo, like, working with the police, and she is now in Huntington Beach. So she goes to her dad's. She walks to her dad's. Her dad's obviously not there. A neighbor lets her into the neighbor's house. So she can wait there while they figure out, like, where oh, her dad that's... is and, like, what's going Because she doesn't know where her dad is. Um, that's kind. Meanwhile, her dad hears the voicemail that she left for him and calls the Huntington Beach Police Department. So the police go to the neighbor's apartment where she's waiting. And they start asking her questions. And she's telling them about what happened to her on the night of March 23rd and what's happened over the past 48 hours. She told the police she had not been sexually assaulted. However... For sure. Oh, there's a house. She later said that the kidnappers threatened her and her family if she ever revealed two specific details about their time together. The first one was that anyone that was involved in the kidnapping had ever been involved in the military. And the second one being that she had been raped. So she is so traumatized, of course, at this point that she does not tell the police that she had been raped. So since her police were her police, since her parents were up in Vallejo, 400 miles away, helping the police. They sent her cousin to be with her. Her cousin was a new attorney who had just passed the bar. Cousin goes to be with her. The cousin gets there. The police tell her that whoever confesses first to making up this scheme between her and Aaron is going to get immunity from prosecution. Right. Flames. Right. Flames out Flames of the sides, the sides of, my face. of my face. And now I, I get it. I get that we're coming at this from knowing all of the facts. So mm-hmm. um, so we know in hindsight how shitty the police are right now. Mm-hmm. But even, even trying to put myself in the beginning without knowing even the little snippets, like the, the you know foreshadowing mm-hmm. and the other snippets like that you've told me, I don't see... How they can't just do some basic fucking fact checking and get the, get on board, or at the very least, at the very least, go these motherfuckers are probably lying. Right, Fine. right. But let's like humor them and like get them on your side, so that they might like trip up. Right. Yeah. And you can catch them, and then via pantomiming helping them, you would just you know what I mean? Like I just, I know. I truly, I truly cannot fathom. Why it's just like these fuckers are lying, fuck off. Like, and then that's right. the conclusion. Like, I can see why they maybe thought it originally, but they got all those fucking texts. What did they think that was from? Google Talk? Like, what the fuck? Oh, just wait. Just, just, just take a breath. I'm so sorry. Okay, because it's going to get worse. So at this point, her family has also gotten her 
a defense attorney that's not her cousin. Nice. And the FBI then offers to fly Denise to Vallejo on their plane. Okay. And the defense attorney was like, um, no. They're like, girl, you need to fly commercial. Like, do not get on that plane. And I was like, good job, defense attorney. So okay, well, but okay. Am I really stupid? Why is that a bad? It's the same idea, like Aaron just being like, "Sure, I'll go to the police station and take a statement." And the next thing you know, he's gotcha. there for eighteen hours being interrogated, right? When then being it, like, it, "You're it, a liar." So they're like, "Don't, no, girl, don't get on that plane. You in danger, girl. You, got you, it. you is in definite danger, girl." So she's like, "You go fly commercials." So she, like, she's literally found that day. It was at the neighbor's house. The police come over, and then they're taking her to the airport. And she's, like, sitting in the airport. Like, I can't even imagine how traumatized. And she must be in just complete shock at this point. Just, like. And having been. Yeah. And having been assaulted. Yeah. yeah. And, like, worried for her life and her family's lives. Yes. Yeah. And not being trusted already because yeah. they already offered her a deal. Yeah. Oh, my And God. wondering about Aaron, too, I'm sure. And just, like, is he okay what he's been through? So. At this point, it's in the news that she's been found and uh-huh. she is alive. So the media jumps on this narrative that the story was like the one in Gone Girl, which at that point, I think the movie was relatively recent. Everybody's talking about the book. It was a good movie and a good book. And she does kind of look like Rosamund Pike. But they were like, the media is pushing the story that her and Aaron had made the entire thing up. The same day that she's found... The Vallejo Police Department spokesperson, a Lieutenant Kenny Park, posted a press conference where he said that Denise and Aaron lied about what happened to them, and that by doing that, they stole resources from the community and they were instilling fear in Vallejo, and that they owed everyone an apology. God fucking damn it! I'm sorry. Um, they... They don't have conclusive evidence to no. that fact. No. So why on earth would you announce that, you piece of shit? Unless there's some sort of long game, that, like three-dimensional, three-dimensional, everything's three dimensions, four-dimensional <laughs> chess that I don't see here. Three-dimensional chess is happening, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, is there something I'm not seeing here where he's like, they, they wanted to do this to like, no. Make the kidnappers think they'd gotten away. No. Like, no, he's just a piece of yes. shit. They're all pieces yes. of shit. Yes. yes. I hate them so much. Okay. Okay. So then Denise gets to San Francisco and she meets with her attorney. And she, at that point, she starts to feel like she is safe enough to tell her attorney about the sexual assault she had been through. Um, she said she had been raped twice by her kidnapper who had filmed oh it. Oh, God. And the kidnapper told Denise that. He was part of a criminal organization with three other people. Does that really make an organization? I don't know. What? Anyways, each person in the criminal organization was in part was in charge of a different part of this operation. And right. he said he had to film him R-wording her so that he would have collateral over her if she ever went to the police then he would release the video on the interwebs. Oh, my God. I, the trauma, the absolute trauma. So her attorney... Was her attorney immediately like, rape kit, let's yes, go. Yes, exactly. So her attorney calls the police and is like, you need to conduct a rape exam of her right this moment. And they were like, 
it's like it's almost five o'clock. It's like 445. And he is like, there is evidence here that is going to dissipate if you don't move quickly. Like, you need to come and do this. So the police told her to sleep in her clothes and not to take a shower, and they would talk to her in the morning. God fucking damn it! Mm-hmm. M.M. Mm-hmm. M.M. I know. I know. I know. I... I... I know. I... I have nothing... I... I'm... Like, you know that feeling you get when, like, it's like a rage... Oh, uh, yeah. Blackout? Yeah. Where, like, the front of your head starts... Not that well, I rage like, blackout a ton. Actually, I really just hot. want to I put to it out there. I take off my fleece. I'm like getting so worked up like my body's getting hot. Excuse me, everyone. I really wanted to read this book. Oh. I might not be able to read this book. Guess what my shirt says today, too. <laughs> believe women. Ah, believe women. <laughs> hey. hey. Didn't mean it, but oh guess what? God. It's true every day anyway. So. It is true every um, day. So the day after she reappears... The San Francisco Chronicle gets another message from the kidnapper who was mad that the media was saying that the kidnapping was fake. Both of them are in fucking custody right now. There's absolutely no way that they're sending this. The message that was sent contained details about the incident as well as photos that showed where Denise had been held. However... The police are like, eh, I still think that they're just making this up for attention. Like, it's sad that they're so attention starved, I guess. Oh my god. I know. So weeks Please, go by. I, I, know, I know you can't skip ahead like this because you're telling a story. Yes. And clearly I'm very engrossed in it. Yes. Are people fired at the end of this? You will feel better at the end of this. Jesus Christ. Okay. okay. So weeks go by. And... Okay, well, now the police have found me. Can you hear that? They found me. Because <laughs> they heard me talking bad about their, their dude. Okay. So weeks go by. The couple finds themselves as the prime suspects. Still. Weeks later. And so, of course, not only were did they super traumatized. Did she ever get trauma- her rape kit? Yeah, they did the rape kit. But they were super traumatized, by, obviously, by what had mm-hmm. happened to them. And yeah. not only were they traumatized, but they were spending all of their time trying to prepare a defense because... Everyone's like, this is your fault. And Aaron's afraid that he's going to lose his job, right? So he, I mean, everyone is just stressed and traumatized. And and I don't know another word for traumatized, but like mega traumatized. Let's call it that. We're mega traumatized. So we are going to fast forward now to June 5th of that year. So this happened in late March. So June 5th, 2015. An hour south of Vallejo in another Bay Area community called Dublin. Shout out to my friends who live in Dublin, California. Hey. Um, (laughs) Someone reported a robbery at their house. The intruder tried to do similar things to the couple that lived in this house, as happened to Aaron and Denise, but the break-in went a little sideways. The husband of the couple hits the intruder with a maglite, (laughs) which I absolutely love. I do not condone violence, but... This guy deserved it, honestly. And the yeah, intruder man. runs out of the house, which I'm surprised he didn't just get completely knocked out cold, but the intruder runs out of the house. While running away, the intruder drops their cell phone. Let's give it up for dumb criminals. So the police trace the phone to a woman. Eh? 
they talk to her and they find out, oh, that's my son's phone. Yeah, his name is Matthew Moeller. Matthew Moeller was in the Marines for five years before he went to Harvard Law School. It, oh, oh, oh. When they go to his, uh, not his house, he was at a cabin in Lake Tahoe, which, okay, that must be nice. So they arrest him and they search through his house. And what's really interesting is they find several laptops and cell phones and stun guns and ski masks and an empty bed with no blankets but a sheet. And he was also driving a stolen car. And they found several pairs of swim goggles that were duct taped over on the front. And one of the pairs of goggles had a long blonde hair stuck to the duct tape. But M.M., he went to Harvard, so yeah. it's all fine. Um, L. Woods would never. L. Woods would never. No one in the house in, at the, in Dublin, California, where he had broken in, tried to break in, tried to do more shenanigans. No one in that house had blonde hair. So huh. they also happened to find Aaron's laptop at huh. his house. And then they looked through his GPS, and do you know what else they found? The address where he had dropped Denise off. Huh! I know. Isn't that crazy? These these coincidences. They're just like, it's such such a small world, honestly. So he pleaded guilty to kidnapping for ransom in federal court and got 40 years. 40. 40? 40. Okay. Four zero. Four decades. I I, was about to be like, table flip. He was also facing a lot of other charges that they couldn't bring in federal court because there wasn't jurisdiction. So for things like, okay, you know, two counts of rape by force, robbery, burglary, etc. But yeah. in November of 2020, he was found mentally incompetent to stand trial. So he is currently in a county jail run competency treatment program. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to be laughing. It's not funny. But I was just like, mentally confident enough to go into Harvard, though. <laughs> Sick burn. You know, maybe maybe you should send Harvard Law some aloe after this for all the burns we're giving them. Okay, so updates for the case. Okay. Aaron and Denise filed a lawsuit against the city of Vallejo in 2016 for a Good. number of claims, including defamation. Yeah. They settled out of court for $2.5 million with no admission of wrongdoing in 2018, which, I mean, I'm sure they didn't like, but at the same time, I'm sure there's a point where you're like, we just, everybody just needs to move on, right? This needs to be over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So their book, Victim F, From Crime Victims to Suspects to Survivors, was released in June of 2021. And they said they called it Victim F because in all the police documentation, they referred to her as Victim F for female. And, um, I mean, it would make sense if he was Victim M, but for some reason in my head, I keep going to Victim A, which is stupid because that's his name, Aaron. <laughs> victim, vict- victim A.A. Ron. <laughs> victim A.A. Ron. So that book was released in June of 2021. And Denise says she continues to be harassed online to this day. By strangers uh-huh. who are convinced that she faked her abduction. Even though she says when her attorney was saying, the media is comparing you to Gone Girl, she hadn't read the book or seen the movie. So her first response was, is that a good thing? 
when all this oh happened. Like she God. had no she just had no idea. Aaron says that um with P with his PTSD and therapy, it gets easier, but it's never easy. Yeah. And but here's some really good update. They got married in twenty eighteen. And they had a daughter who was born on March 25th, 2020, which was the five-year anniversary of her reappearance. And oh my God. Denise said that their daughter is their happy ending. Oh. I mean, you know I'm not like, oh, kids, but I'm like, these people deserve... Yeah. I mean, I get it. They like I get why they would probably want to settle. Like no matter what, that was going to be a long yes. ass yes. trial no matter how much evidence. So it's like get the money and get it fucking closed. Right. Um versus you could get millions and millions more, but like why go through that again? Mm-hmm. Um I totally get that, but Jesus Christ, I these poor know. people. At the very least, I'm going to bookshop.org that book right? even if i can't bring myself to read it for a while because give them their <sighs> give them their, they cash secure that bag mm-hmm. hell yes hell yes these poor people I, like granted i don't even know if 2.5 million would buy you a house in the san francisco bay area but like it it would not <laughs> they deserve to take it easy i mean they can i mean Invest it wisely. Let the money sure. make itself money. Sure, 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 sure. I, you know, like, well, there there was more um, too that I didn't add into the update. There was additional information about somebody in the police department who had been fired within the past couple of years, and I think that they were also suing the police department for wrongful termination and uh, retaliation claims because they had raised a number of complaints about the way that this case had been handled internally Mm -hmm. and that they, I think, you know, they had felt that they had been retaliated against sufficiently and then they were fired eventually. So there's, there's other fallout coming to that police department, but man, I wouldn't, I, what I don't know is did they move out of Vallejo? I hope so. I very much I hope, hope so. so. Go fuck that town. Can you imagine? Well, and I can also imagine like shitty retaliation from the police because exactly. you know they, they they would probably draw ranks, and so it's like they probably always get pulled over for. Speeding. I was thinking about that. They probably be like, "I didn't see you fully stop at that stop sign." But then also, I am sure they have an amazing top of the alarm, top top of the line security system at their house from Simply Safe. Pro- pro- Shout out to hashtag <laughs> not a sponsor yet, but. Can you imagine, like, I mean, our alarm probably gets set off unintentionally a couple of times a year. And, you know, the police are, like, they're always good about it. But I can imagine they'd be like, um, false police report. Like, I can just see all the all the shit they would put uh, them through. Oh, yeah. I, and, like, especially if they want to close that chapter, it's like, take that money, go move somewhere where $2.5 million, mm-hmm. like, you spend a fraction of that in a nice little home with your daughter. Right. Like, Move on. Go- goodbye. Right. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Oh my god. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. So I the whole thing. I mean, and to an extent, if someone tells you all this stuff that happened, if if someone came, part of me wants to be like, okay. If someone came to me and was like, guys in a in a wetsuit broke into my house put duct tape goggles over my head played pre-recorded messages on these headphones gave me a bunch of nine quill and now my significant other is gone like my first thought is, pro- is like yeah that does sound too crazy to be true like it just sounds so out there 
But like, yeah. But, so and do a little investigation. Do a little investigation. Right. Like, like imagine. I mean, if it, I was gonna say imagine if it was me, but I feel like you would believe me because <laughs> ride or die. I'd be like, no, like, no, 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 no. Like, imagine if it was just like some random person. Mm-hmm. Like, you happen to be the neighbor, and they run to your house and go, boom, 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 boom. Oh my god, can you help me? Da 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 da. Your first thought might be. This sounds banana pants, mm-hmm. but it would also be like, let me, you are so traumatized right, that one, right. if you're acting, something else is going on yes. and you need help regardless. Yes. yes. And then also do a little investigation. And again, like m- tiny, tiny bit of pounding the pavement police work. You verify some shit. Just like, what's that camera hooked up to anything? Like, what was the IP address that set up that email address? Maybe. Like, I don't know. Maybe trace a fucking text message Maybe. since you have so many from being in fucking airplane mode. Triangulate the location. Yeah. yeah, yeah enhance. Yeah. God. Enhance. Zoom. Enhance. Zoom. Enhance. Over here. Oh Something. My God. Uh, well. Crazy. Well, I am now enraged and need to go <laughs> pop some CBD gummies. Yeah, do it. That was a fascinating story. I can't wait to read that book, although I'm probably going to wait to read that book. Understood. Um, it, I am so close to meeting my Goodreads uh, goal. I am three books away, question mark? Four or three. I have enough time. I'm going to do it. Um, maybe that might be one of the, the few to finish up. Heck my, yeah. My, uh, we, we will, Lizards will link the bookshop uh, link in the show notes. Uh, don't base those if you can help it. Lizards, we do have one additional thing I want to to throw in here real quick Mm. um we got one of our first uh real like people have commented and been like yeah good or whatever and it's typically people who are related to us always feel free to reach out we love to hear from you um but we did a little bit ago we got a message from michaela golick who is the author of one of mm's sources so if you think back to the david stone halloween mystery episode um, one of MM's sources was an article in the uproar, which is a local paper, a student paper, local paper. Sure. It was your source. Um, anyway. <laughs> Girl, if you uh, think I remember so, what I had for dinner last night, you were mistaken. So, um, Michaela wrote the article, the, the, the disappearance of David Stone from the uproar, uh, that we had used as a source and, we always try to give credit where we have a source that we can link to. And so she thanked us for giving her credit. Like we ain't out to steal your work. You did all the work and we reported on it. Um, But she replied to give some more detail and context to that story. So if you recall, the David Stone story is, um, you know, he had a party on right before Halloween Mm -hmm. or on Halloween. Mm -hmm. He lost his shit um, on a friend for touching his golf clubs or something and goes on what we think might've been a, vision quest type thing and disappears and is never seen again michaela writes thank you for writing it michaela my dad was the one was the one who was best friends with david and had to go back to the party for his jacket and like had the very strange conversation with him before he disappeared um i know you guys were wondering what david meant by don't you know what he represents because we we're wondering, like, is he talking about the friend who touched the golf clubs? Like, what is he talking about? My dad said David was referring to Anders, the friend that he punched. So kind of like what we were saying, like, what what does David represent? Like, the rude person who touches your golf clubs? I don't know. Uh, no one's sure why he said this since the three of them were best friends and did Aww. everything together. 
but he specifically chose to beat up Anders, even though my dad was also using the golf clubs. My dad and I have wondered if there was something that Anders had some sort of specific religious or cultural beliefs that didn't correspond with David's new age Mm. beliefs or something like that. Just kind of strange that he targeted Anders and not my dad or anyone else at the party. Hope that clears up some confusion at what David meant and by what he said to my dad, but I guess we'll never know. Michaela, thank you so much for writing in. That was one of the greatest things that's happened. I love it. Ugh, so cool. So cool. Um, your article was excellent. Thank you for helping us out with that story. And thank you for writing it. And then I also asked if I had permission to read that. And she said, okay. Yay! So, so thank you so much, uh, Lizards. We hope you're having a wonderful December. The year is almost over. Um, can you believe it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> last year, last year for, for Christmas, MM gave me, amongst other awesome things, an, an ornament that said uh, it was um, David Rose from Schitt's Creek, and it says, ew, 2020. And I was talking to my brother this morning, and I was like, I kind of want to, like, take a marker or a post-it <laughs> or something and say, and 2021 and. on it, so... Um, because honestly, it did give me a good chuckle um, when we took that out of the ornament box. So I was like, <laughs> still funny, <laughs> still funny, still true. Unfortunately, <laughs> everything's time flat circle. So, lizard, we'll we'll catch you next week with a a tale from me, Yay! and um, we hope you know wherever you are, uh, your December is going okay. And reach out if you want. You can reach out to the pod in general at Wine Times Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Or to each of us at our personal accounts. Uh, MM is at True Crime Wine 69. I am at Katie Haas. And we'll pop a bottle with you next yeah. week. Yeah. Pop a bottle. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Schwifty, 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 schwifty